Greetings, whether you're watching live or on a playback, wherever you are on this bubble we call Earth, I'm Brother Minister Zumbi. Tonight, the topic is building or begging, and this surrounds the, I call it the Deion Sanders controversy. Uh, it's a topic that I was reluctant to address because uh, of the emotional charge that it brought, but I think there has to be a balance of some critical analysis of the situation. Uh, what has this situation revealed? And moving forward, uh, how should we as African people uh, move? And I think the ultimate question becomes, do we want liberation or better treatment on the plantation? Stay tuned. Like I said, like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, do for self or suffer the consequences. How the hell do you make the CIA boy the hero when we know what the history has been between the CIA and Africa? Only when the father makes his trans uh, makes his transition to the ancestral realm of the Agungun does the son truly become a man. Yo, peace to the code keepers. We got Minister Zumbi back in effect. This time we're dealing with begging or building the Deion Sanders controversy. Good brother, lay out your manifesto and uh, let's chop it up, man. Let's chop it up. Yeah, yeah. Like like I had said in the intro, it was uh, it was a topic I really was reluctant to address because of the the dialogue that I was hearing, not only in media, but also in the streets. Uh, it was one of those conversations I felt that you can't have with just anybody and everybody. Because not everybody understands the different nuances. Everybody's looking at it from a very surface level. But I, I think what kind of convinced me to address it is a uh, sports journalist named Bamani Jones for ESPN and for HBO. Um, if you okay. ever listen. Now, the interesting thing about Bamani Jones, I think he's originally from Atlanta and he's third generation HBCU. I think he graduated from Morehouse. And the first time I was exposed to uh, Mr. Jones was it's an ESPN show. Uh, what's it called? It's set up like a game show. I can't think of it now. Right. You know, but, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> oh, Around the Horn. That's the name of the show, Around the Horn. Okay. And from there, I really liked his delivery. Has a very clear, uh, precise radio voice. Uh, his analysis is very, very sharp. Um, and then from there, you know, I started following him on his podcast and, and things of that nature. So when I started hearing his analysis, he just did an interview with uh, CNN about the Deion Sanders situation. Uh, kind of a slight debate with Stephen A. Smith on first take. And then on his show, The Right Time, where he talks with uh, another brother, sports journalist, Howard Bryant, where their analysis is probably the most objective, you know, 
when when you don't have all of that emotional charge dealing you know dealing with the topic and that's why i was initially reluctant to deal with it but i think it it may have to be addressed from a you know from a different angle well I, i'm glad you're addressing it because you know the good brother king con consciousness controversy <laughs> our beloved dr umar johnson <laughs> tapped in and you know we'll we'll quote him and you know there's a lot of other folk who've been tapping in on this Deion sanders situation so yeah. I'm interested in seeing where you go with this, bro. I'm interested. The question, you know, I'm ultimately going to ask is, what does this have to do with empowerment? Well, here's the thing, and I'm going to kind of kind of give people a timeline. You really didn't hear much about Dion wanting to coach at the collegiate level until um, while he was working for the NFL Network. Okay, he had already started a now defunct charter school uh, right outside of Dallas. I heard there was a lot of controversy around that school. Okay, so you know you would hear Dion said he wanted to get into coaching this, that, and the third, and then the topic always came up about his alma mater, Florida State University, where he was a consensus All American. Um, The dialogue kind of evolved. And then when the manifestation of the job for Jackson State came, he comes on. There's two interviews he did that really okay. stick out with me. Okay. He did one on first take with Stephen A. Smith. The second one he did on a podcast called I Am Athlete. Okay. It was what he said in the dialogue that made me edgy. When you tell me that God has ordained me or has sent me to Jackson State, in essence, to be Neo and rescue HBCU football from the Matrix, whatever the Matrix was, and you sold a lot of sizzle with no steak, okay? A lot of sizzle with no steak, as far as I can see. And you were painting this picture that you were going to make Jackson State this destination. It wasn't going to be a jump off because you were committed to the university. You were committed to the players you recruited, etc. And so I watched this circus unfold. And unfortunately, it unfolded the way that I thought it eventually would where basically hey, you hold, know, tight. hold tight bro because okay. i just got a message from sarah needle saying no sound no sound yo so everyone else tap in because we're not experiencing that if you can yeah. hear us you know put a one in the chat if you can hear us put one in the chat um okay but yeah can, continue your diatribe bro yeah so <clears throat> so when colorado came with the bag um I knew he was gone. I knew he was gone because there were some, there were some other things that went on. Like everybody knows about the crisis with black head coaches getting opportunities. No, no. So what, what is that crisis? The crisis is, it's like, you know, finding a needle in a haystack. 
I mean, we see what's happening in the NFL. There's really not too many black colleges at a FBS or a division one level head coaches or even coordinators. Okay. And so we find Dion in a position to where he could help out other black coaches. But what do you do? You go hire a white offensive coordinator from Washington state, not for Jackson state specifically to prepare your son Shador for the NFL combine. Wait, 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 wait. That's a power move, man. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Am no, I no. wrong? Am I wrong? But, 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 but here's what I'm getting at. Okay. I already had a problem with, because you wouldn't got a white offensive coordinator. There are two black offense coordinators you could have easily talked to. Number one, Jim Caldwell, who basically cleaned up and revolutionized Peyton Manning's game that okay. ultimately got him into the Hall of Fame. Okay. And Hugh Jackson, who uh, subsequently was hired by Grambling. You could have had Hugh Jackson before Grambling, you know, hired him. Okay. Then you go hire Mike Zimmer. Wait, but, but let me ask you a yeah. question. Okay. You know, you follow sports. I don't pay attention. Um, <laughs> is that par for Dion's course? In regards to is is you know when in terms of you know we're we're focused on empowerment, we're firmly yes. focused on you know we call our black empowerment. And okay. no, we're not dumb. We're not looking at a crayon color. We don't think we come from a planet, a city, or a country oh, called black. We're not talking about nationality when we use that term. Although, you know, I do accept the term Moorish. I do accept the term melanated. I do accept the term indigenous, Indian, mm. you know, first people, African people. You know, uh, uh, you know, I'm, we're cool with that. So uh, mm. for those who are watching, particularly those uh, from Crumb, you know, the master students, salute to the master students. Uh, when we use these terms, we're just using the colloquial version. So we know what we're talking about. All right. So, okay. In See, terms well, of empowerment, it always seems like Dion wasn't focused on us. He was focused on him and his first. Basically, you know, okay. it's kind of like there's there's a line I remember in the movie Ali where uh, Ali's wife Belinda is in an argument with him about why is he taking this fight against George Foreman? And the name Don King comes up and she says, you know, Don King, all he does, he talks black, lives white. And bleeds green. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let, let's let's just let's just call a spade a spade here right 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 okay i mean okay you've got that one picture up there with the chain okay many of you have seen the 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 music video he did during his playing days called must be the money and if you remember <laughs> I, i'm telling you okay and then yo i love this man i love then, must be the money yeah, that's, and that's, then, that sounds like a uh, a a song from who's your boy Atlanta. He no, no, no. What, what, what they did, they um, <laughs> they basically it was a parody off the old Secret Weapon song. Must be the music. That's what that's based on. Okay. All right. Let me get back to my train of thought. So. So my problem is, number one, 
you came in selling something that you knew you couldn't deliver. That's number one. Then number two, you're going, you not only did you take advantage of the cultural mores of the people, but you took advantage of the spiritual. When you came in and said that God sent you here, I'm like, really? Like you're that savior? You know, so, and then, like I said, I never, now somebody could, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. What was his blueprint for building Jackson State from where it was to where he wanted to take it? What was what was the vision and the mission that he had for Jackson State? Okay. And I, I think those of us who have gone through that gladiator experience who are either fathers or father figures or just men who knew what questions to ask him, you know. Um, hey, yo, maybe God sent him for three years. That no, love moves. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, when we look at uh, Yeshua or Jesus, how long was his uh, his missionary work? But but Jesus never sold you a, a lie either. I mean, let, let's let's just keep us, you know, let's just call a spade a spade here. Okay. And and what really makes me edgy about the dialogue is that everybody wants to give Prime a pass because you want to feel good about something. That's why I, I, I really didn't want you know, to, to, to deal with this because everybody is already emotionally polarized on this topic. Nobody really wants to deal critically with what does this situation reveal, not only about prime, but about HBCUs and about our collective mentality as a people. All right. All right. Well, this would be a good time to bring in M's or me's comfort, me's comment. How about we talk about the good he's done? I, I'll let other people do that because I, I'm, I'm just saying, because, you know, everybody wants to talk about the good. My attitude is I think the bad outweighs the good. Well, hey, uh, on code 24-7 says that Prime sold out. So do you well, think, you know, and Umar, I, I, I'm going to pull up Umar's comment because Umar was really interesting the way he said it. Um, okay. But do you it, think he sold out? Uh, I'll, you know, Chairman Fred Hampton Jr. said that sellout is the most overused word in the black community. And the reason I, I agree with him when he said that is because people will show you who they are. It's a matter of, are we paying attention? Okay. Dion has always been driven by money. That's never been an issue. Okay. The problem is, why did you have to sell something that you knew you couldn't deliver? And what does that say? What lessons are we teaching the young people when we make them swallow our hypocrisy and then we tell them, get used to it, it's the way of the world? Okay, okay. That's that's always been my issue. And see, 
there, there, there has to be a level of accountability laid at Deion Sanders' feet here. There has to be. Hmm. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Why? Why does there have to be? Because, okay, as a coach, you're coming into people's homes. Your job is trying to persuade somebody's parents right. to send their son to you over a four to five year period. I, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of talking ethics now. Okay. If you knew from jump that you couldn't deliver what you said you were going to deliver, then why say it? Why didn't you scale it back to where you tell the people, look, here's the reality. Here's what we're going to do year one. Here's where we want to be year two. Where's the blueprint? Okay. When Nick Saban came to Alabama, he came with what they called the process. All right. You, you know, what? you got you have an investment in this that I didn't see coming. No, no, no. But but see, this isn't <laughs> this is it's not really I don't I don't want you to, to, to think, oh, I just watch sports all the time. But I, I kind of look at it from a different angle. OK, where now I'm looking at, you know, I, I like to call it the B side of the game. Well, see, my, what I'm saying is. Like Love Move says, you know, I, 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 well, she says you're assigning him Messiah status. That's a lot of responsibility. The guy never said he was perfect. He's just a man. I no, just no, never no, no, heard. No. I but just see. Here's right, go the ahead. problem. Go ahead. Respond. He ahead. said it. Not me. This is what he said. Okay. So he called him you Messiah. In so many words, yeah. All right, yo, give the quote again, man, because I, I, I'm trying to get the messianic complex in there. Because okay, and like I said, you'd have to go back to those two interviews that he did, where he he gave off this persona that he came to, you know, quote unquote, save represent HBCUs. He gave that narrative. He painted that picture. So this isn't me putting putting that status on him he said it all right well then that would if that's true and i believe you bro you know because you always bring the receipts um hold on let me see what love move says again <laughs> if a lady starts teaching elementary school in the hood and then takes a job offer as a principal in the suburbs is she a sellout oh man see this is why i really hate it everybody wants to Yo, deal with i want to i want to give salute to love moves but go ahead Okay. And that's why I said, what is this really about? Okay. Is, is this about the bag? Is this about, and in, in the, in the promo, I said, one of the things that we, we need to ask ourselves is, uh, I, for, I forgot what, what question I posed in there. Oh, I think this is the question that we need to pose to ourselves. All right. Did we make the mistake of trying to view Dion in the way that we viewed HBCU legends like Willie Jeffries and Eddie Robinson? Huh. All right. So do you think he's leaving Jackson State 
you know, using the uh, Kwanzaa principle, uh, more better and beneficial than we inherited it. I mean, for so me, I think that? the do the best we can in the way that we can in order to leave our community more beautiful and beneficial in the way that we inherited. Uh, I can't remember which one. I think it's Nia. All right. So is that what did? Is that what happened? Only time will tell. I mean, you came in for three years. You 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 three. brought a lot of hype. Okay, but on the flip side, you lost two title games. You lost to South Carolina State last year, and then you just choked last night to North Carolina Central. All right, well, see, that kind of brings me back to what, you know, King Con Consciousness Controversy said. (laughs) So let me run that beautiful bean footage very quickly. Okay. That personality assessment, which includes personality, background, social economic status, culture, this, that, who you are, what you want to be. Asians are being penalized for their high test scores and grades. So what the Asians want and what the white folks who are funding the Asians want is they want the Supreme Court to say you cannot include race at all as a factor in higher education admissions. If they throw that out, if they say Harvard cannot use the personality assessment portion of the admissions process, the percentage of Asians that get accepted into PWIs goes up by 20%, and the percentage of black students will plummet by at least 50%. You know what that means? You are watching the gentrification of black children off of the PWI campus. How is this relevant to Deion Sanders? The reason I'm so personally disappointed in Deion is I thought he was there for a movement, not for money, meaning Deion Sanders, the coach of Jackson State, I foresaw a situation where Deion would hire other coaches, other retired black NFL greats to coach other HBCUs. In doing so, you attract our top tier high school athletes to come to Maybe. HBCU. Maybe. Stay with me. Eddie Jordan, Foot- that's Stay State. with me. Stay with me. Football and back. You know, like I know, if you got top tier NFL greats coaching HBCUs, the athletes are coming Maybe. just like they was coming for Dion. He showed you, Charlie. Dion, though. He showed Dr. you. Umar. And his other one's Dion's just one as great. Of the most famous people ever. And his other one's just as great. So listen. Eddie Jordan, Tennessee State. That's one person. We're talking about a system, not an individual. So, Dion and these other coaches bring all these athletes from high school to play football, basketball, so forth. The revenue of the HBCU goes up, Envy. As a result of the revenue going up, Charlemagne, the school's got more money. They don't have to subject themselves to closure. They don't have to subject themselves to being dependent on white money. You got HBCUs at risk of being closed. I read something that said almost a half of them. A half may not survive the decade. So this was bigger than football. This was about the survival of the HBCU. It's bigger than especially, Dion, though, Uma. No, yes, no, it is. I think- no. All right, so (laughs) King Mm. Kong consciousness controversy. So Mm. if what you're saying is right, bro, that he said I'm on a mission, (laughs) a three-year mission. Who was that on a three-year mission? It was a three-year tour, three-month tour. That was Gilligan's Island. (laughs) All right, all right. So if if he was saying that he was on a mission to change the the value of HBCUs through Jackson State, and then he bounces after three years. I can see where you're going with that. I can see where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. But you know, did he but, do any good, man? Did did he leave Jackson State and HBCUs by a stretch more beautiful and beneficial than he inherited them? 
you, you know, and and it's and that's why I said it's, it's multi-layered because now we have to go back into history. When the HBCUs um, during during the let's let's say Jim Crow segregation, there was a lot of talent that was kept at that at these HBCUs in part because of segregation. Okay. Once you start seeing schools, schools like Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Oklahoma, Nebraska, started opening their doors, okay? And guys who were in the South who did have that opportunity, like Bubba Smith was from Texas. He went up to Michigan State, okay, because he couldn't go to Texas or Texas A&M. And then what you began seeing was the dismantling. Now, okay, okay. And, and this is not a critique of Eddie Robinson because I'm looking at him in context when I say this. Eddie Robinson said, I never want to deny any of my players not to play at the highest possible level that they can. He cared about them that much. He says, if you need to leave here, to play at the highest and the best level, you have my blessing. Okay. So should we bless Dion with Eddie Robinson's wisdom? No, because Eddie Robinson never lied to us. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so so is he, like on code 24-7 said, is he a sellout? I don't, I don't see it. I'm, 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 yo, uh, maybe it's me. <laughs> well, like I said, it it depends on, you know, how you look at it. Looking at his track record, who he is, who has he been consistently? Okay. And and then to go from go to an empowerment phase. Okay. Uh a person who I normally would not watch, Jason Whitlock, who has a podcast called Fearless, he gave his take on it. And he interviewed maybe three three coaches along with, um, I'm trying to remember who else he interviewed, but he, he gave his own piece, own take on it. Uh, okay. He basically says that um, Dion and black folks failed in this because we're too busy begging for entry into someone else's house instead of building our own. Now, I would never have expected Jason Whitlock, of all people, to say that. Jason Whitlock said that. Yeah, but see, he he says that we shouldn't have been surprised with Dion because by nature, Dion has always been a mercenary where he will always sell his services to the highest bidder. Okay, so he kind of gives Dion a pass, but then blames, uh, basically blames black folks. Okay. All right, well, as, as I want to put a pause button where you are. Um, so Emmy or me, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's Emmy or me. Um, yo, why don't you drop in your comments the good, the, you know, you said he did a lot in three years. I would like to see anyone else do what he did. What did he do? 
Because hey, and the reason I'm asking the question is because I don't follow sports. Mm. All right, right, I follow empowerment, and I think he made an empowerment move. But for who? But for who? Okay. And and see, I I guess I guess the thing for me is what 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 do people really want out of their coaching experience? I I think that has to be uh, the question. Okay, what what do what do we really want out of the coaching experience? If your objective is to be at a power five school, mm-hmm. okay, then just be upfront with that. But don't come with this thing about, oh, I'm going to do this, that, and the third, and your behavior betrays your tongue. All right. All right. So look at the players and the stadiums in HBCUs. All right. Well, you know, I could say that the stadium in my beloved Hampton University is a really nice stadium. Uh, Norfolk State has a nice stadium, too. You know, I'm a mm-hmm. Norfolk State dad, so. Okay. Uh, HU grad, Norfolk State dad, salute that. Um, here's the thing. He gave up part of his salary to help build the stadium, right? Yeah, I mean, he gave up part. Of, he gave he gave up part of his salary to help build the stadium. In addition, he was coaching uh, high school teams or something like that. Well, you know, that's why I was going, I was going back to. So it, it seems to me like when he talked about I'm going to save HBCUs, he may not have had a time period in his head. But for that three years, it sounds to me like, I mean, yo, the turnout in the stadiums changed. You know, the players, he recruited higher performing players. He helped increase the stadium. He he gave up part of his salary, and that worked on the uh, what is it, the gym, the gymnasium that they worked out at. So the gym facilities are better, the stadium is better. There were more people in the stands. So I'm seeing a lot that seen. You know, he may not have said, "I'll be your savior for 20 years." You know, he may have said, "I'm gonna be here as long as I'm here." But I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, but, like, but like I said. You know, and, and maybe it's me. What do you want from him? <laughs> it's not about what I want. See, that's not the thing. It's not about what I want, okay? Because there's 18 to 22-year-old young men who are looking at you, okay? And you're you're not just a coach, okay? You're 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 also a teacher. You're also, um, for for many, an example of what they think manhood is. Now, some may think that that's a lot to put on a coach, but I'm just looking at the reality and what my experience has been having played high school and college ball. And, All right, and, so are, are we know. expecting too much from the brother? I expect him to be honest and consistent. You know, 
Um, that's what I expect. And I, I expect him to. Yeah, just just to be honest, consistent and congruent. Congruent with what? With his messaging? Congruent? Yeah, with... be, because like I said, don't come in my house. And throw ear sex and whole chatter to whether it's my son, my nephew or whomever. And then you don't deliver. That's always been my issue. Okay. All right. All right. So I, I see yeah, where yeah. you're going with it, bro. I see where yeah. you're going. Now, yeah. So, so now, it's kind if, of like, if he, if let's say, you know, this is one of the things that Umar and Envy talked about. Uh, and we're not going to play the whole clip. I don't want to mm. have any infringement on their yeah. copyrighted material. But there was a possibility that a pipeline could have been developed. So he was there for three years. And the next person in the pipeline, he could have gotten another retired NFL, one of us, to take over and continue that. Or he could have had, you know, there was a lot of things that could have happened. Mm. And so is that fault? Dion's fault that he didn't create it or is that fault our fault because we didn't demand it well I think here here's here's what I what I also see and and this is where now I have to uh lay burden of responsibility with HBCUs if you're trying to attract three four five star talent Okay. Where is your infrastructure? I'm talking about your medical staff. I'm talking about having access to, uh, you know, local hospitals, you know, if that being the case. All right. Your academic programs, you know. Have you set up a program to where you know your athletes are matriculating, not just to be eligible, but matriculating towards graduation? Okay. Now, part of that is the coach's responsibility, but there's also a compliance officer as well as the athletic director that has to, you know, make sure that that takes place. Okay. So that's bigger than, you know, Dion or any other head coach. The infrastructure has to be there. So if you don't have an infrastructure, then what happens? You bring people into a house with no foundation that's unstable and ultimately it crumbles and then the athletes suffer. So for HBCUs, and I'll give you a prime example of that. Florida A&M, when they went and played UNC. Okay. All right. The university president, now, I don't know what he was thinking. With the stroke of a pen, he moved Florida A&M from, I think, FCS to an FBS level, which made almost half the team ineligible. Wait, what? Yeah, made half the team ineligible because many of them were transferring in from either junior colleges or from other schools. Okay, okay. Okay, so a lot of their paperwork was like in transition. All right. So are you saying that he raised the bar and it hurt people? Or are you saying that well, the, well, the university bar president, and it ultimately helped people? 
I'm no, missing. I'm I'm saying the the fam the fam university president when when he moved his when he moved the the team to the FBS level, it hurt the team because half the team was ineligible because their paperwork wasn't in yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like he was so into chasing the bag and the spotlight of being you know playing at this highest level until he didn't go through his due diligence checking with his compliance officer to make sure okay if i do this will these players still be eligible to play are you are you insinuating that Dion did the same no i'm just giving you that example when i talk about how hbcus need to clean up their infrastructure if they're talking about bringing these three and four and five star blue chip athletes into their universities okay and that kind of okay. goes along with what uh, me says, you know, he, me says we can't rely on the NFL players. We need common folk <laughs> to come in out and do the work. So, uh, I, 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 so if you're saying that the HBCUs are having some challenges, right? Then it it takes people like us to come in and do the work. It's a it's a symbiotic relationship. Okay, it's not okay, one, you know, or the other. It's it's a combination of two. Okay. Okay, okay. It's it's All a right. it's a combination of two. And what, oh go ahead. Well, I was gonna say uh Roosevelt Green says, I promise you HBCUs will be kicking power five teams tail in a few years. Do you think that could happen? Do you think that one of the benefits of Dion being there and making Jackson State University what it became, is that going to advance all HBCUs where they can actually start beating up some tail when it comes to the Power Five teams? Not all HBCUs are the same. Okay, let's. let's yeah, that's right, because Hampton is the better HU. You know, so. <laughs> hey, man, they got my money, my money. Yeah. Hey. Uh, well, well, let, okay, so so let's say not when I say not all HBCUs are the same. Okay, we've got those that are private, like Howard and Morehouse, etc. You have okay. those who are you know state universities like FAM, South Carolina State, Norfolk State, Norfolk State. Okay, so not all HBCUs are the same. And, you know, and I could be wrong, but I don't think all HBCUs have the type of either funding or facilities to where they can, you know, level invest up. in in their sports programs. Now, okay. I will, yeah, now, I will say this. I think um, if I were coaching at an HBCU uh, with the way things are going now, part of my pipeline would tap into – how can I say? If if I would tap into the junior college pipeline, okay, because it seems like junior colleges have kind of been forgotten because everybody wants to focus on the the ones coming out of high school. Okay, okay. Okay, because I remember when I played, everybody had access to JUCO players. You know, because... You, you were bringing in players who were were hungry, 
You were bringing in JUCO players who really wanted to, you know, put in the work. And and now what's happened is with with all these deals going on, with athletes getting paid, everybody's forgotten the JUCO. And I'm just wondering if HBCUs have forgotten that, you know, junior colleges can provide you with with a bridge. And that's why I look at junior colleges as is a bridge for your program as you build it. You're not going to use JUCO players as the primary, you know, as as the primary core of your of your team as far as, you know, players go. So does that go with your begging or building uh, statement? Are you saying the HBCUs are begging instead of building? Well, I'll say this. I think, and I think this is what, what Umar was getting at. He saw an opportunity, okay? He saw an opportunity for, I forgot how he said it. It's, it's an opportunity to where if we want our own, okay? And I think a lot of people saw with Dion coming to Jackson State, Hugh Jackson, to Grambling, Eddie George, to Tennessee State, uh, Mike Minter, who used to play for the Carolina Panthers, he's at one HBCU. Everybody thought that this would be a movement, not just a moment. Okay. That's what everybody, I think that's what everybody was thinking when they saw prime take the Jackson state position. Mm, Okay. Okay. And, and like I said, when you're talking about building something that takes time. And that's why I said, there has to be a symbiotic relationship between the coaching staff the athletic director and the university president. If you're talking about building something that will stand the test of time, okay? If we look at Dion's, um, who Dion played for at Florida State, Bobby Bowden. It took Bobby Bowden nearly 20 years to win his first national title. But the process that he went through to build Florida State into what it became, okay? Because if we have these type of aspirations of HBCUs being national powerhouses, that takes time, not just resources, but time to make sure that your foundation, you know. All right. All right. Well, let's go with Love Moves question. How is enough time this? uh, I think uh, I think it was. (laughs) Yeah. How much time would have been enough? How much time would have been enough for Dion to make the move for Jackson State? It really depends. There's a number of factors. Well, number let's one, go with let's go with Jackson State. Yeah, how that's what I'm saying. Years, how many more years do we need to give him? Give them. I think Jackson needed, and this is just me. I always look at five year windows. Okay, from from when you got hired to the end of your fifth year, we have an indicator to see where this program is going. Okay. Because depending on the condition of it, you know, of what Jackson state was when prime got there, 
you know, did he have to house clean where he had to get rid of players from the old regime in order to, because remember, you got to build a culture, right? You got to put together a staff. You got to, because remember, you're driving, you're driving the car. Everybody's following your lead in terms of your mission, your vision, your purpose, your philosophy. When, when, when you're talking about building, see, and, and the other thing that I hate in sports is that everybody has a microwave mentality. Okay. You know, the whole thing about, you know, Wakanda wasn't built in a day. <laughs> All right. And, okay. and, and neither could Jack, neither could have Jackson state been built. That's why I said, if people want these HBCUs to be national powers on the level of a Clemson or an Alabama or Ohio state or whatever. Okay. That takes time to build that kind of an empire. All right. Well, and, then, well, and then to maintain that empire over time. Let me, let me pause. Yeah. Love move says five years. I can go for that. You said five years. Uh, Hey, for those who are watching, tap in, give us a comment. How many years do you think it would have taken to really do what we're looking for? Would it have been five years? You know, because, you know, according to you, brother, it's not three. <laughs> no. According and to you, it's not three. So, hey, if you're watching, you know, uh, Love Moves says she can go for five. Love Moves can go for five. Um, uh, Yazzo fit spiritual life. Yeah, Let us know. Let us know. Yeah. How many years do you think it will take? How many years? And let me, while the people are tapping in with their, their okay. number, let me tell you what I think. Okay. Uh, well, let me read this. College football has turned into a free agency. The days of long-term commitments to any particular college university and teammates are going to be few and far between. There will be a lot of moving. That's interesting. Mm. that's interesting all right yeah. so yeah so when you start with begging or building right i think you know from the empowerment lens that i kind of look at everything mm. were we begging Dion sanders to stay and build something that we could have built that's um, the question that i lay are we expecting messiah sanders messiah prime or any NFL player who we think are like, ah, to come and save us when we mm. can do it for ourselves. Look, when I was at HU, you know, I stayed at HU, you know, I'm old school. Okay. <laughs> you know, you see the platinum coming in, right? Oh, Yo, so right. I was in the HU from 86 in the mix to mm. 1990, right? Right. While I was there, I had a uh, conversation with the vice president, good brother by the name of Cologne. Uh, Dr. Cologne, his uh, his son is uh, Edimu Cologne. Edimu mm. uh, uh, is a good bruh. Peace to the bruh. <laughs> uh, Dr. Cologne was a bruh as well. Yeah, peace to the bruh. So while I was there, I was complaining to the vice pre president, you know, Dr. Cologne. Mm. And I was like, look, man, you know, Dr. Harvey has all this money. Hampton University reportedly has all this money. And we have some issues in our dormitories. You know, you guys need to put the students first. And this is what Dr. Cologne told me. He said, young man, <laughs> he schooled me. He said, young man, if for 20 years not another student 
darkened the steps and the hallways of this great university, we would have um, the amount of money needed to pay everybody on staff and to take care of all the buildings and properties. If no student comes for 20 years, we have enough money to take care of everything. And after that, he shared with me that you have to put the institution first so you can serve the students. And it really kind of changed the way I looked at things. So are we putting the NFL folk, you know, the superstars first, thinking they'll save the institution, or are we building our HBCUs? Are we building our communities? Are we building our families in a way where if somebody rich and famous comes in, that's a benefit. It's a blessing, right? but it's not needed. Because mm-hmm. the way we're acting right now is like, we need Dion. No, we don't. Mm-hmm. Bye, you boy. Know, boy, bye. You... <laughs> well, how the girls say it? You know, and... we don't need him because, look, he's not the only NFL player. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, he's not the only great coach. Also, he's not the only person who can give up a little bit of resources to make sure that we further our agenda. And our agenda is building. Our agenda is becoming more empowered than we were today, you know. We, we we need to be able to say, because I hit this campus, this campus and the legacy of this school is more beautiful and beneficial than I inherited it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was taught when I started at Hampton University. That's what I was taught by my parents, you know what I'm saying? So my point is, we begging for folk to come save us, but we can build for ourselves. That's how I looked at the begging and building. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and, and with, the, with the whole begging and building and... I think my take on that is when we have an opportunity to build, okay. Yo, that comment is fire. We are all called by the almighty if you listen close enough. All right, continue, bro. I'm sorry. That that one hit me. That one hit me. But a lot of people like, I got five on it. Five, so everyone's agreeing with you. Go ahead. Okay. So... What was I talking about? Begging or building? Begging and building. Okay. So if there's an opportunity presented to you to build, okay, and it always goes back to there has to be, there has to be a generation. Uh, Dr. Clark says that there, there, there has to be a sacrificial generation to lay the foundation. There's, there's really no other way around it. It's like everybody wants something, but nobody wants to be the generation that has to set the foundation for future generations to build. So the question now becomes, who's willing to be that generation to lay that foundation down? If you want to have the type of success that these Power Five conferences have, well, hey, that, and, and like I said, that's a that's a long term commitment. Okay, well, you know, like me says, we have the money. It's the behavior of man that is flawed. If we had our priorities right, then we would have the group economics like the uh, the. Uh, I'm only leave that out because I don't want YouTube to stop the video. You know, so it's it's <laughs> and 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 then also I have to look at HBCUs. Have HBCUs betrayed their missions? From their inception. Well, hey, you know what? 
that's a great question. That's a show for another show. Right. But but just to say, because we're not just looking at, because remember, first and foremost, we're talking about academic institutions of higher learning. Okay. And we want to make sure that whatever the mission, vision, and purpose of these HBCUs are, that we don't betray them for the bag. Okay. 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 So you're saying and, that we got to put us first. Right. And and I think what was disappointing with the whole experience with Prime, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, has he ever mentioned Willie Jeffries or Eddie Robinson in any of his interviews or press conferences? Uh, you know, you asking the wrong one. I follow. No, I'm just I, you know putting. I follow that out DJs. There. I follow music. I follow right. women. You know, I'm, I'm just putting <laughs> that out there for the. I, I've never heard him mention any of the HBCU legends. I, I'm not sure if that's part of his lexicon. He's not an HBCUer. You know, but if you're going to be that, wouldn't it wouldn't it behoove you to at least get to understand the history? Well, hey, from what I'm seeing, man, he, he was there for three years and he did some stuff. You know. But so so let's let's bring this home, man. Let's bring yeah. this home. Uh, you know, it's almost around the hour. We try to keep it around the hour. Begging right. or building. You have some strategies. You have three strategies, and normally your strategies are tied to finance. Yes. But but when we talk about finance, we talk about these strategies. Finances are resources. So I want to see how you flip these strategies to deal with the resources. So, okay. So being a $20 revolutionary, how can we apply that to this situation with, uh, you know, coach prime? Okay. So being a $20 revolutionary, I say this, make a $20 purchase each week from a black owned business, whether it's e-commerce or brick and mortar. Now I know you and I, we remember back in the nineties when everybody was buying these HBCU sweaters and hoodies. Okay. Who was the, who's the company that was doing that? Because let's say if that company is still around and we start buying it now, all the licensing money gets to go back to these HBCUs, at least into their athletic programs. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So if, Hey, if you celebrate Christmas gift giving, Consider buying some HBCU uh, paraphernalia from a licensed dealer so the right. HBCUs get them. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's okay. that's that's one way because, what? yeah. So, and then the next one that you're putting out here, okay, be, be a cop. Now, this applies specific well really like with intellectual property cop means being a creator a owner and a protector of whatever it is you create in terms of intellectual property okay because we've had too many horror stories about us creating things and then we don't have the protection or we don't own the licensing to certain things okay so that's being a cop and I think the next one you talk about cultural tithing. Now this fits here. So we did be a cop. Yeah, be a cop. The thing about being a cultural tither is this. In 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 my book, 
I talk about, okay, here's a, oops, here's a book. Okay. In the book, I talk about cultural tithing, where I say a dime out of every dollar should go to what I call a race first organization. We've got 107 HBCUs, according to the U.S. Department of Education. Uh, for all you alums, when they when they mail the the thing out asking for donations, how much do you give back to your alma mater? Wow, I have to admit, bro, I give uh, the Great Hampton University lip service more than I give them. And and the and, and, it, and then here's the other thing: it doesn't necessarily have to be financial. I mean, think about it. Um, somebody had talked to me on Facebook. They said they had like, you know, a number of acres of land. They didn't know what to do with it. So I said, what's the closest HBCU to you? And I said, if you give that land to an HBCU, okay, especially if they have an agricultural department. So now you can bequeath that to them. Or you can partner with them. Right. Well, no, I'm saying bequeath it like once that person passes on. So that way, you know, the land will stay in black hands. Well, I'm saying if we partner with them, then we can. I'm not saying it's a bad strategy. Right. I'm just I'm thinking partner. Like one of the things that uh, the great Compton University has is in a, a I'm, I'm probably going to pronounce it incorrectly. Mm. It's a bunch of horses. It's an equestrian. They have an equestrian. I want oh, to look okay. that up. Yeah, it's okay. an equestrian, I think, um, farm. And I was right. like, what's an equestrian farm? So I went to the equestrian farm. And it was a bunch of horses. So, mm. you know, we we're able to learn how to horseback ride. We we're able to do a lot of other farming and horse things that they were doing races. And there's a whole right. lot of things that they can do. Mm. And they partnered with a family that owned that land. Okay. So when Hampton wins, that family wins. Hmm. Okay. All right, now, now I may have that. That story might be a little convoluted because you know I, I graduated from Hampton in 1990, so it's been a minute. Okay, it's been a minute, but I'm I'm saying that we can partner or bequeath or give whatever. But I think your strategy is is strong. I yeah. think your strategy is strong, bro. You know because because when if if you're telling me that you know you give. Uh, a tie to, you know, whatever your spiritual path is, that's cool. But when it asks, will you rob God? I also ask, will you rob your brothers and sisters? Ooh, now that's an interesting thought. Okay. Will a man rob God? Because they do say that in a lot of the Southern churches just before it's time to pass the plate. Mm -hmm. Well, if you and I are the spirit having a physical experience, Right. You know, if, if we're God in the flesh, little G, you know, mm -hmm. depending on how you look at it, you know, if we're the gods in the earth, peace, God, <laughs> you right. know, you know, if the almighty dwells inside of you, however you want to look at it, mm -hmm. if the Christ in me greets the Christ in you, however you want to look at it, I'm just mm -hmm. throwing out a couple of ways that different people see different cultural religious groups see an experience where the almighty resides in you. If right. we got good orderly direction. Are you robbing yourself? Mm -hmm. That's right. a great question, bro. That's you know. a great that's a great question, bro. And well, and I'm, so and so this is where you really have to say, okay, if if these are our own, okay, 
then what are we willing to do? Because the only way you're going to do it is if people have a personal investment in these institutions. Okay. Let's take Earl Graves. Okay. How much has Earl Graves given back to Morgan State once he got Black Enterprise up off the ground? I, I think their business program is named after him, if I'm not mistaken. Interesting. You know what? I, I think that you're starting to give some examples that should be its own show. Mm. Okay. And I think me, the question of, well, the statement, look at all, look at the mega church pastors making multi-millions. Is that not exploiting God? Now that's now, interesting because I, I, think, I, I think we should make a show on that. Now here's what I have to say to that question. I've all said right. this a lot. Say it and then we're going to bring this to a close. Okay. <laughs> Jerry Falwell and Oral Roberts have never been known as quote unquote prosperity gospel preachers. But the one thing I do respect about each one of those men is that each one of them left an institution. Jerry Falwell left Liberty University in Virginia. Oral Roberts left Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Where now you are educating people. You have pro provided jobs for people in administration, janitorial, etc. You got all these prosperity gospel preachers and ain't none of them talking about building an educational institution or well, we even, got, a, yeah, we got one talking about, let's bring the weed in the church, <laughs> you know, Pastor Jamal Bryant. Uh, well, I, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm minimizing and jokalizing, jokalizing, mm. that's not a word. I'm making a joke <laughs> out of a statement and in a process he's working on it which is something that should be a different show as well bro mm. let's bring this to a close man because of course yeah. you bring the receipts you can bring all the receipts all day yeah. every day uh <laughs> last words last words the, the the last words is this okay don't just talk about supporting institutions that you say that are yours okay you have to put your time, your talent, and I forgot the other one. But basically, you know what I mean. Basically, you have time, to Time, talent, and treasure. That's what it is. You have to put your time, your talent, and your treasure behind these institutions if you want them not just to survive, but to thrive. Okay? So we have to start putting our money and everything else where our mouth is. Wow. You know what? And I think that really relates to these last two comments. Churches are supposed to be building financial institutions. They are the new banks. And uh, A.W. says, when I saw A.W., I thought A.W. root beer. All right. I'm old school, right? Um, HBCU is underfunded by billions. Black people giving back is not the answer. Well, I would say it's not the entire answer. All right. Let me continue. Well, see, here, here's, fight you know what? <laughs> but, but see, here, here's my thing, okay? There's a thing called the corridor effect or the corridor principle, where basically it says nothing happens until you begin moving towards a goal you want to achieve. Okay. okay. Nothing so, happens until you do. 
yeah until you until you start moving towards it then you'll have doors open for you okay so no matter whether the government gives it to you or not are we giving ourselves what i call internal reparations oh okay another show another show yeah. bro okay close this baby up right. <laughs> let's close this baby up man okay you just did your last words hey uh code keepers uh we need, we need to come up with a term for those who follow precise thinking mm. You know, for those who follow Get On Code, they're the code keepers. So, code keepers, we love you. Hey, for those who follow Crumb TV, the the master students, master students, we love you. We got to figure out one for uh, precise thinkers, man. Yeah. All yeah, right. We really do. We do. We do. We do. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, you can thank me later. <laughs> oh, Here we go. Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Code keepers, master students, people of the world today, drink your water. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs>